You're listening to the Refinery Church Podcast. Each message comes from our Saturday night service in Brea, California. We pray these messages will build your faith and encourage you today. Last week, we started to put into practice hearing and doing. And we took a passage where Jesus says, do this. And we begin to say, how can we do that, practically speaking? We looked at what's something that Jesus said here, and we started a new campaign called hashtag the giving bag. Everybody say the giving bag. The giving bag. bag. And we begin to look at something that Jesus said in Acts chapter 20, verse 35. Here's what it said. He said this. You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. He said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Those are the words of Jesus. He said it's more blessed to give than to receive. And and, and there are personal benefits to being a giver and having a generous heart. It it demonstrates our, our faith and devotion to the Lord. It breaks the hold of materialism. We talked about that last week. And we saw that it starves the selfish beast that's inside of all of us. Remember the video of the little babies last week? Yeah, I mean, we, we, we start off selfish. Give me that binky. That's my binky. Give me that cup. That's my cup. Give me that car. I want that car. That's how we are. We want, we want, we want. And when we give, it begins to starve the selfish beast. That's where we've been. And again, I suggest if you haven't had a chance, go back and check out our podcast and allow it to speak to your spirit and your heart. Tonight, today, as we pause, I felt the Lord say, Kelly, I want you to come back to this generosity because there's more I want to say. I want you to linger a little bit here with generosity. And there's a passage of scripture, 2 Corinthians 9, verse 7. The Bible says that that God loves a cheerful giver. You know, it's important for us to be cheerful when we give, to do it with joy. I had that opportunity today. Uh, I'm going to talk a little bit more about giving <clears throat> and I'll talk about our giving bags, but yeah, I'll, I'll go and tell you our story, my story. Um, last week, I challenged everybody to be givers, and, and we talked about the giving bag, and I'm going to share a little bit more about this uh, at the end for those of you who missed it. But it was basically, hey, put together some um, bags, and, and you can have inside the giving bag these little sacks uh, to be able to um, bless on somebody who's needy. Maybe it's a person standing there on the corner with, uh, with a cardboard cutout saying, please help, you know, out of work, etc. And if you have these sitting in your car inside your giving bag, you can simply reach in, grab it, roll down your window and say, hey, let me, help, let me help you out. Here you go. And I'll tell you about a little bit more about this later on and give you some more details. But this week, you know, I'm thinking, okay, I, I want to do this. And I'm driving down the street and there's a guy standing on the corner, got his cardboard box. And I look back in my back seat and I'd left the bags here at the church. <laughs> oh my gosh. And I'm like looking around. I open up the change thing. No change. I'm thinking, man, I just preached on this. I just told my congregation, we're supposed to be givers because Jesus, you said it's better to give. I have nothing to give. I got my credit card. I don't know about giving that over. I don't know if I want to do that. And I felt so guilty. And I'm thinking, man, I missed the opportunity because I left it at church. And as I drove past him and I felt, man, I felt so guilty. I thought, how many people leave what God is saying right there at church? And it became a teachable moment for me. And I felt like the Lord was saying, no, no, no. You need to help people pick this back up again this week. 
Because I want and I'm looking for generous people. People who are willing to be givers. Well, I came back here to the church this week. I went, man, I was going back in my car. I'm going to make sure that it's there this week. Well, today I had the opportunity to redeem myself. Hadn't had the bag yet, hadn't picked up the bags yet, but I was getting gas, putting gas in my daughter's car like I do every Saturday morning. Make sure there's gas in there. I make sure that the the oil is in there and everything. And a young lady comes up and she's raising money for a homeless shelter. She has benefited from the homeless shelter. I reached in my pocket. I had a bunch of cash in my pocket. I couldn't get it out fast enough. Here you go. Here you go. And I'm thinking about the man on the corner. Here, you can have all my money. And she's like, what's wrong? I go, no, 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 no. You don't understand. I am so glad you are here. I don't think she's ever had anybody treat her like that. You know what it's like. You're just like, no, 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 no. I don't got any cash. No, no. You know how it is. I couldn't get the cash out of my pocket fast enough. And she's like, are you okay, sir? I go, yeah, I am. I am so glad to see you. And I shared with her my story. And I said, you know what? Jesus loves you. And she goes, I know Jesus does. And she shared her testimony with me. I felt like, thank you, God, that I had the opportunity to redeem that that moment. All right. I share all that to say God has a reason that he challenges us to be givers, not only to be a blessing to others, but what it does for us. It's what he means when he says it is more blessed to be a giver than to be a receiver. It's so important to God. And I want you to take a look at this this phrase. This is a tweetable phrase. And if you're a note taker, you want to write this down. This sums up the entire message I feel the Lord is is sharing here is that the heart and action of generosity is the tangible demonstration of God's love. The heart and action of generosity is the tangible demonstration of God's love. And it's so important to God that Jesus gives a parable in Matthew chapter 25 very specifically about giving. And this week, the Holy Spirit, after this encounter with this gentleman, had me camp out on Matthew chapter 25. And I'm going to share it with you tonight. And before I do, um, let me give you some context, some historical context. Matthew, the book, the gospel of Matthew chapter 24 and 25 is where Jesus is giving parables and he's talking about the future. Because he's just getting ready to move into the season where he is going to sacrifice his life for humanity. And he knew it. He knew it was coming. And so he begins to share these parables, these teachings with a message for those that had ears to hear about the future. God's kingdom that is to come. He gives numerous parables to his followers. This specific parable that I'm going to be reading to you tonight is the last recorded teaching that Jesus gave in the, in the Gospel of Matthew before he moved into his time of crucifixion and resurrection. Why is that significant? Because he knew his time here on earth was coming to a close. And he had to share what mattered. Ever gone on a trip and you're like, okay, um, as a parent... Um, Okay, so here's where the emergency 911 number is. You're telling like the people who are watching your dog or watching your plants or whatever they have, you have them watching your house. Okay, well, here's here's the security number and and you're just getting ready to go on a trip. You go, okay, did I remember everything? Because I want to make sure they have the most important stuff before I leave. This is what Jesus is doing. He's like, I want to give them the most important stuff right now 
because I'm getting ready to be done. So there's the context as we read Matthew chapter 25, how to live until Jesus returns. Let me read this to you. Follow along on the screen with me, if you will. But when the Son of Man, this is a parable. These are Jesus' words. He's saying this. When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, then He will sit upon His glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered in His presence and He will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep on His right hand and the goats on His left. Let's pause here for just a second. Before we move on. Now, this would have been an understandable analogy that Jesus would be giving for these people that were living in that period of time. Because in this period of time, uh, there weren't tech people, um, there weren't restaurateurs, not, not very many. I mean, maybe somebody had a restaurant, you know, a little side cart or something. Most people were farmers or, or owned livestock. And the livestock of the day and age were sheep. And goats. So as Jesus is sharing this parable, people get it. They understand because typically what these livestock herd, herders would do is they would allow the goats and the sheep during the day to kind of hang out together, you know, and mingle around and, and forage for food. But when nightfall came, they would bring them in and they would separate the sheep from the goats so that they wouldn't, inter, they wouldn't breed together. They would, they would separate them out. So this would have been a typical scenario that the people would go on, oh yeah, that makes sense, that makes sense. Then he goes on to explain what the king is doing so that the analogy now relates to us. Verse 34, then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me into your home. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then the righteous ones on his right will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink or a stranger and show you hospitality or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth. When you did it to one of the least, my brothers and sisters, of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. Then the king will turn to the ones on his left. And he will say, away with you, you cursed ones, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. Remember, this is Jesus. For I was hungry and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty and you didn't give me a drink. I was a stranger and you didn't invite me into your home. I was naked and you didn't give me clothing. I was sick and in prison and you didn't visit me. And they will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and not help you? And he will answer, I tell you the truth. When, we, when you refuse to help the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were refusing to help me. You see, there's the words of Jesus. 
The last things, you move into the next chapter, and now the whole process of his sacrifice would begin. The last words of Jesus recorded by Matthew. People would know that often shepherds would allow the two to intermingle, the goats and the sheep, but a separation occurs, and Jesus begins to point out, this is how humanity will be judged. This is how humanity, this is how God will look at humanity. Jesus says the Son of Man, the King on His throne, will separate people like sheep and goats. And judgment is based on the works of their faith, on the fruit of their lives. Now please, don't misunderstand. Some of you may have gone, hey, hold on a second here. Does that mean that you can earn salvation to God? Can you work towards God? Absolutely not. Let me pause here to clarify. Our good works cannot save us. The gooder you are, the more good stuff you do does not get you right before God. You see, it's God's generous grace in, by, through faith in Jesus Christ that we are saved. Let me read to you a passage of Scripture. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 9 say this. Take a look. It says, For by grace... Have we got it there, Roger? Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 9. No? Okay, I'll read it then out loud. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself... It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. He's saying you can't earn it. If you could earn it, then you could boast about it and say, look how good I am. See, because it was the cross of Calvary. It was the price that Jesus paid on the cross that paid for our sin. That then when we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, the Bible says in Romans 10, 9, if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. It's faith in Jesus Christ that saves you. But, listen, the works demonstrate your faith. You see, are you tracking? It's like, it's the fruit of your faith. If you have faith in Jesus Christ, the fruit should be what he listed here. Isn't that right? Feeding, helping, serving, touching, clothing, visiting. This should be the natural response of those who say, I trust Jesus, I am a Christian. It's kind of like an apple tree. I know an apple tree by the apples that I see on the branches. I know a person of faith by what I see them doing. So what we see in Jesus' parable is an evaluation of faith based on doing. Based on doing. The sheep and the goats have something in common. I think you might have seen this. They're both surprised. Weren't they? What? When? Well, because Jesus is saying to them, when I was naked, when I was hungry, when I was in prison. They're like, when did we do that for you? Because if we'd known it was for you, we definitely would have done it. And he says to the righteous ones, oh, but you did. Oh, but you did. Because every time you were doing for the least, you were doing it for me. 
And then he says to the others, well, when didn't we do it? Oh, yeah, when you didn't do it for the least of these. You weren't doing it to me. The righteous are invited into God's kingdom and the goats are separated from God. That's what the definition of hell, being separated from God for eternity. Because there was no proof that they had living faith in Jesus Christ. So why does this matter? And why, Pastor Kelly, this seems like a heavy topic. It is because it's serious. Why does this matter? Why does these kinds of actions matter to God so much? Maybe you say, why does it matter to Jesus so much? I'll tell you why it matters. Because giving blesses people and people matter. Giving blesses and touches people and people matter to God. Every single person matters. That's why it matters. They matter so much to God that the God of the universe, the creator of all that we see, hear, smell, touch, and feel, was so concerned for people that he said, I'd rather die than live without them. And that's what he did. That's what he did. That's what we're celebrating in just a couple of weeks, the fact that Jesus Christ came to earth and loved us so much that he died. The Bible says in John chapter 3, verse 16, for God so loved the world. I love how it says the world and not the earth. There's a difference there. It wasn't that God loved the earth so much. It says he loved the world. That's the people, the, the cultures, the, the, the masses of humanity. He loved the world so much that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would be, believe in him would have eternal life. You see, that's what it's all about. Every person matters. And our generosity as a church and as a person practically demonstrates the love of God. Do you see where we're going here with this connection? I really felt the Lord was saying, Kelly, last week was good, but you need to to focus in a little bit more because we need to know that. As a church, we need to be a church that cares and demonstrates it practically. I, I, I don't want to be driving down the road and not ready to be generous, not ready to demonstrate God's love. I don't want to leave what I get here at church and leave it here. It's intended to go out there. It's intended to go outside these walls. It's intended to demonstrate God's love to everyone that we come in contact with. Serving here is part of that. Many of you do that. Giving tithes and offerings, that's part of that giving. But tonight what I want to do is I want to take just a few minutes and I want us to practically begin to think about how we can demonstrate God's love through this very, very simple thing called the giving bag. If you weren't here last week, we started this campaign, the giving bag. And the campaign, campaign is very simple. Well, let me explain. Um, it, it's more than just a good idea. I think it's a God idea. And I think it's an idea for this church to embrace and it becomes one of our signatures that you would take a refinery bag. Aren't they cool little tote bags? Take those refinery bags and and fill them up with some stuff. Stuff that could be a blessing to somebody. It's a very easy and practical way to live like sheep rather than live like goats. 
You know what I'm talking about? Living like sheep and, be, sheep and being ready. So tonight, I'm going to give you homework. Did anybody, and I don't want to point you out like how great you are, but did anybody do the giving bag this week? Did anybody try it who was here last week? Oh, see, that's why I have to talk about it again tonight. <laughs> that's why God said do this. All right, good. All right. So we all have some homework. This isn't about Pastor Kelly doing this, though I already confessed my shortcoming. And I'm not going to ask you to get up here and confess your shortcoming. But I want to ask you to take some homework. Take your tote and begin to think of ways that you can be a giver. And here's what I said last week. Here was an example. You take one of the refinery bags, turn it into a giving bag. And um, fill it with three or four or five or six or however many you want of these little care packs. And this care pack has uh, some Nutri-Grain bars in it, some raisins, a bottle of water, a pair of socks, a bar of soap, um, uh, a toothbrush and toothpaste. And I also included a $5 uh, McDonald's gift card in there. Um, this is really good. This helps. This can help bless somebody with some water, uh, some nice dry socks, but then a little hot meal for McDonald's. This, oh, and it's in a plastic a Ziploc bag, which is super practical because you can store stuff in this, right, and keep stuff dry. If you don't have a home, you know, and it's starting to rain, you want to keep important stuff dry, even the bag helps. This whole thing cost me $10 to put together, and that includes the $5 gift card. If you can't afford $10, don't put the $5 gift card in there, you know? And put together a few packs. Put it in your giving bag. Put it in your car. Tonight when I leave, this is going with me. I am not going to leave it here this week. I am taking what I'm learning tonight home with me. And I'm going to practically use it. I hope, I hope that guy's on the corner tomorrow. I really do. The guy with the cardboard, I hope he's there because I have something ready for him. That's one, that's, one, that's one idea of a giving pack, uh, the giving bag. Last week, uh, we had another giving bag that was um, designed for moms. And if you take a look there, uh, I gave everybody a little handout. If you want to pull your little handout out there, go ahead and pull that out. Take a look at that. Caitlin put together a little list for us because somebody said, well, Pastor Kelly, can I get a list on what to put in my giving bag? Yes, you can. And we gave you the list right there. Um, last week, we had the bag for expectant mamas or brand new mamas who have brand new babies. Uh, you could put in your giving bag um, some diapers, some baby wipes. Uh, any moms in here say, yes, diapers would be good. Just wave, say, yeah, that's right. Okay, there's a mama with a brand new baby out in the back going, I would love some diapers. Some baby wipes, some baby food, baby wash, baby lotion, and a little burp rag. That could be a blessing to a young couple, don't you think? Here's a bag for newlyweds. Oh, I like that you put that, Caitlin. Caitlin and James have been married for less than a year, so I think they, this one was from Caitlin right there. Bag for newlyweds. A pack of spaghetti noodles, spaghetti sauce, a loaf of bread, strawberries, and pound cake. Pound cake. That wasn't in my bag last week. That's my favorite. That's your favorite. <laughs> I think Caitlin's putting her menu on here. Which... And this is the little bags for the homeless. I think I listed, there's a few of them there. Bottle of water, socks, neutral grain bars, toothbrush, McDonald's gift card. Now, for the next couple of minutes, church, we get to participate in this. I'm gonna, we're going to turn the music on very lightly. And I'm going to ask you, right there where you're sitting, 
maybe with the person next to you or a couple of people, I want you to come up with your own bag. What would you do in your giving bag? And I want you to begin to think creatively. What could go in your giving bag? And think about, you know, maybe $10, $15, less than $20 that could go in your giving bag. We're going to turn on the music and I want to hear the chatter. Just begin to share ideas with each other. What's going to go in your giving bag? Ready? Go. Thank you for listening. For more information, check out our website at wearerefinery.com, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Instagram at wearerefinery. God bless.